Part two, section eight of the Age of Reason by Thomas Paine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Bible makers and those regulators of time, the Bible chronologists, appear to have been at a loss where to place and how to dispose of the Book of Job, for it contains no one historical circumstance nor allusion to any that might serve to determine its place in the Bible but it would not have answered the purpose of these men to have informed the world of their ignorance and therefore they have affixed it to the era of fifteen hundred twenty years before christ which is during the time the israelites were in egypt and for which they have just as much authority and no more than i should have for saying it was a thousand years before that period the probability however is that it is older than any book in the bible and it is the only one that can be read without indignation or disgust we know nothing of what the ancient gentile world as it is called was before the time of the jews whose practice has been to calumniate and blacken the character of all other nations and it is from the jewish accounts that we have learned to call them heathens but as far as we know to the contrary they were a just and moral people and not addicted like the jews to cruelty and revenge but of whose profession of faith we are unacquainted it appears to have been their custom to personify both virtue and vice by statues and images as is done nowadays both by statuary and by painting but it does not follow from this that they worshipped them any more than we do i pass on to the book of psalms of which it is not necessary to make much observation some of them are moral and others are very revengeful and the greater part relates to certain local circumstances of the jewish nation at the time they were written with which we have nothing to do it is however an error or an imposition to call them the psalms of david they are a collection as song-books are nowadays from different song-writers who lived at different times the one hundred thirty-seventh psalm could not have been written till more than four hundred years after the time of david because it is written in commemoration of an event the captivity of the jews in babylon which did not happen till that distance of time by the rivers of babylon we sat down yea we wept when we remembered zion we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof for there they that carried us away captive required of us a song saying sing us one of the songs of zion as a man would say to an american or to a frenchman or to an englishman sing us one of your american songs or your french songs or your english songs this remark with respect to the time this psalm was written is of no other use than to show among others already mentioned the general imposition the world has been under with respect to the authors of the bible no regard has been paid to time place and circumstance and the names of persons have been affixed to the several books 
which it was as impossible they should write as that a man should walk in procession at his own funeral the book of proverbs these like the psalms are a collection and that from authors belonging to other nations than those of the jewish nation as i have shown in the observations upon the book of job besides which some of the proverbs ascribed to solomon did not appear till two hundred and fifty years after the death of solomon for it is said in the first verse of the twenty-fifth chapter these are also proverbs of solomon which the men of hezekiah king of judah copied out it was two hundred and fifty years from the time of solomon to the time of hezekiah when a man is famous and his name is abroad he is made the putative father of things he never said or did and this most probably has been the case with solomon it appears to have been the fashion of that day to make proverbs as it is now to make jest books and father them upon those who never saw them the book of ecclesiastes or the preacher is also ascribed to solomon and that with much reason if not with truth it is written as the solitary reflections of a worn-out debauchee such as solomon was who looking back on scenes he can no longer enjoy cries out all is vanity a great deal of the metaphor and of the sentiment is obscure most probably by translation but enough is left to show they were strongly pointed in the original note those that look out of the window shall be darkened is an obscure figure translation for loss of sight End note. from what is transmitted to us of the character of solomon he was witty ostentatious dissolute and at last melancholy he lived fast and died tired of the world at the age of fifty-eight years seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines are worse than none and however it may carry with it the appearance of heightened enjoyment it defeats all the felicity of affection by leaving it no point to fix upon divided love is never happy this was the case with solomon and if he could not with all his pretensions to wisdom discover it beforehand he merited unpitied the mortification he afterwards endured in this point of view his preaching is unnecessary because to show the consequences it is only necessary to know the cause seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines would have stood in place of the whole book it was needless after this to say that all was vanity and vexation of spirit for it is impossible to derive happiness from the company of those whom we deprive of happiness to be happy in old age it is necessary that we accustom ourselves to objects that can accompany the mind all the way through life and that we take the rest as good in their day the mere man of pleasure is miserable in old age and the mere drudge in business is but little better 
whereas natural philosophy mathematical and mechanical science are a continual source of tranquil pleasure and in spite of the gloomy dogmas of priests and of superstition the study of those things is the study of the true theology it teaches man to know and to admire the creator for the principles of science are in the creation and are unchangeable and of divine origin those who knew benjamin franklin will recollect that his mind was ever young his temper ever serene science that never grows gray was always his mistress he was never without an object for when we cease to have an object we become like an invalid in an hospital waiting for death solomon's songs are amorous and foolish enough but which wrinkled fanaticism has called divine the compilers of the bible have placed these songs after the book of ecclesiastes and the chronologists have affixed to them the era of one thousand fourteen years before christ at which time solomon according to the same chronology was nineteen years of age and was then forming his seraphio of wives and concubines the bible-makers and chronologists should have managed this matter a little better and either have said nothing about the time or chosen a time less inconsistent with the supposed divinity of those songs for solomon was then in the honeymoon of one thousand debaucheries it should also have occurred to them that as he wrote if he did write the book of ecclesiastes long after these songs and in which he exclaims that all is vanity and vexation of spirit that he included those songs in that description this is the more probable because he says or somebody says for him ecclesiastes chapter two verse eight i got me men singers and women singers most probably to sing those songs and musical instruments of all sorts and behold verse eleven all was vanity and vexation of spirit the compilers however have done their work but by halves for as they have given us the songs they should have given us the tunes that we might sing them the books called the books of the prophets fill up all the remaining part of the bible they are sixteen in number beginning with isaiah and ending with malachi of which i have given you a list in the observations upon chronicles of these sixteen prophets all of whom except the last three lived within the time the books of kings and chronicles were written two only isaiah and jeremiah are mentioned in the history of those books i shall begin with those two reserving what i have to say on the general character of the men called prophets to another part of the work whoever will take the trouble of reading the book ascribed to isaiah will find it one of the most wild and disorderly compositions ever put together it has neither beginning middle nor end and except for a short historical part 
and a few sketches of history in two or three of the first chapters is one continued incoherent bombastical rant full of extravagant metaphor without application and destitute of meaning a schoolboy would scarcely have been excusable for writing such stuff it is at least in translation that kind of composition and false taste that is properly called prose run mad the historical part begins at the thirty-sixth chapter and is continued to the end of the thirty-ninth chapter it relates to some matters that are said to have passed during the reign of hezekiah king of judah at which time isaiah lived this fragment of history begins and ends abruptly it has not the least connection with the chapter that precedes it nor with that which follows it nor with any other in the book it is probable that isaiah wrote this fragment himself because he was an actor in the circumstances it treats of but except this part there are scarcely two chapters that have any connection with each other one is entitled at the beginning of the first verse the burden of babylon another the burden of moab another the burden of damascus another the burden of egypt another the burden of the desert of the sea another the burden of the valley of vision as you would say the story of the night of the burning mountain the story of cinderella or the children in the wood etc etc end of part two section eight